And hello from Boise, Idaho, and Idaho Education News. This is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at education and politics. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. And we're here in Boise. A lot of eyes obviously are focused this week on Cleveland and the Republican National Convention. Next week, the attention turns to Philadelphia and the Democratic National Convention. And it kind of leaves us in this sort of uh, summer netherworld because, you know, national politics is interesting stuff. It, it's good theater. But what does it mean for education? Exactly. I've spent a little bit of time watching the feed from Cleveland this week, Kevin, and you don't... So far at this point, I haven't heard a whole lot about education, certainly about local education. But you took a couple opportunities this week to look at how to put kind of national uh, conventions in perspective and show how that might affect us here in Idaho. You had a chance to look at the record of the Republicans nominee for vice president, Mike Pence. His record is uh, on education as governor of Indiana. You also had a chance to look at the Republican platform. What did you find and how, how might this or how might this not uh, apply to us back here in Idaho? Well, there are some interesting tidbits that you find out along the way. Mike Pence is the governor of Indiana, and I blogged about this uh, last week. As you may recall, those with, with long memories on the Common Core debate will remember that uh, Indiana was the first state to actually pass a law that dumped the Common Core standards. This was back in 2014 after the state had put the, the standards on hold. So Indiana becomes sort of a, a case study in the pushback movement on Common Core. And you know, to the extent that uh, Donald Trump has talked about Common Core in his campaign, he has expressed concerns about Common Core, and there's a lot of the, uh, the standard rhetoric that you've heard about uh, the Common Core standards, the concern that this is top-down national standards, even though you know, states have kind of adopted this on an individual basis, and most have, but some haven't. So you see coming out of the platform as well uh, some continued rhetoric, uh, pushback on Common Core, uh, praising states, not mentioning Indiana by name, but clearly uh, that, that was part of the uh, equation, praising states that have... Uh, that have gotten away from the Common Core standards and are going in a different way. Other highlights, other notable uh, points in the uh, in the platform, and you can download the platform. You can read it on my blog at idahoidnews.org. Uh, discussion of school choice, uh, advocation of school choice, and also uh, not just charter schools and homeschools, but also the funding mechanisms that are, are a lot more controversial and a lot more complicated in Idaho because of the constitutional restrictions. So the platform advocates for vouchers and education savings accounts and the like. Uh, there's also discussion of the vital issue, uh, which we saw. We may have heard that <laughs> once or twice before back home. We've heard it, and we heard it at the state convention that you were at. Uh, the issue of where does the Bible fit into public schools. Uh, there was discussion of it in, in Nampa last month. The National Platform uh, advocates the use of the Bible in literature classes. Uh, also, as you might have expected, a uh, discussion on the transgender bathroom issue, the, um, the transgender guidelines that came from the Obama administration earlier this year, uh, strong condemnation of those guidelines in the Republican platform. So a lot of things you would expect to see in a Republican platform uh, as pertains to K-12. What does the platform really mean? How does it really translate into what we're going to hear from candidates? 
national candidates in Idaho and statewide candidates in Idaho, that, that remains to be seen. I mean, platforms are always just sort of a guideline. They're sort of a, a statement of principles from a party. What does it really mean in terms of the individual candidates? That, that remains to be seen. It remains to be seen, and it's a good opportunity to remind uh, our listeners that what we know about federal education law at this point through ESSA, through the Every Student Succeeds Act, that it hasn't changed, and, and that still defers a lot of the power of the rulemaking authority, of the accountability provisions, back to the states, which is why uh, the work we do watching our own legislature uh, is, is, is important in, in that work, and that policy setting is going to likely have the biggest effect going forward on, on our local schools right. and, and, our, and our local school districts. Right. But the, and, and let's face it, to a large degree, conventions are a lot about theater, there are a lot about uh, candidates and parties uh, marketing themselves, uh, branding themselves in front of the electorate. And there's always the, the little bit of you know silliness that goes with it. We uh, learned a, a little bit. Now, Kevin, this was new to me. Had you heard anything about, is it famous potatoes in the state of Idaho? Who, who, that... who knew? Who knew we would uh, go with that right out of the gate? We, we get our, our 15 the, uh... seconds in the sun yeah, so... on Tuesday, and, uh, and, and Ron Crane mentions the... Uh... <laughs> and, and, and sort of a strange reference to how people, when they say the Pledge of Allegiance in Idaho... Um, a pledge to the Republicans uh, and not to the Republic. I, I haven't done that. I, and I've never heard anybody do that. Uh, you know, Kimberly Crucey, uh, Associated Press writer, tweeted about that after. I've never heard anybody say that. And, I, and I, I'm with her. I've never heard anybody say that. So we had that. We did have Minnesota claim that they are the spam capital of the world. Undisputed as far uh, as that uh, Who's going to dispute? Who's going <laughs> to fight them over that? And, and a little bit of a border war that's near and dear to your heart. Uh, Kansas and Missouri both kind of claiming some ownership of your beloved Kansas City Looking Royals. good in the Royals gear on the convention floor, uh, representing the world champs, i got to say. So there's the, there's the theater, there's the fun, there's the, the frivolity of the conventions. There is some policy stuff, and we do dive into the policy stuff. If you want to read more about this platform... Go to my blog at idahoidnews.org. I'll try to do similar treatment of the Democratic platform as it unfolds next week. Let's turn closer to home. Uh, some issues that we've been writing about, exploring. Uh, one that's kind of taken on a life of its own for you is the teacher evaluation issue. You talked about it at length last week, but there's new developments this week. Bring us up to date. Yeah, I pu published a story in the second half uh, of this week about kind of where we go forward with teacher evaluations uh, from here. Listeners and readers are going to be familiar by this point with the errors that we've uncovered and the data submitted to the State Department of Education. Um, going back to this most recent legislative session, tucked a couple lines tucked within a career ladder law uh, that had to do with moving pupil services staff over onto the career ladder with the teachers uh, were a couple of lines that did something important when it comes to oversight of uh, teacher evaluations, which as we know are tied uh, to the career ladder, to taxpayer dollars, to a teacher's ability uh, to earn more money at uh, the urging of the two legislative education committee chairmen. Um, what they did was uh, they took the responsibility for auditing and reviewing the accuracy of these teacher evaluations away from the State Department of Education, which State Superintendent Sherry Yabara heads up, and they moved that authority to the State Board of Education, who was instructed to work with the colleges and universities uh, to have 
teacher preparation experts basically come through and they're already going to be familiar with this Danielson model which we talked about last week and so the idea is they will take a sampling of those evaluations and experts from colleges and universities will audit them uh, and there's a couple of things they're going to be looking for for first of all that the evaluation was complete and that it was performed with what they term fidelity mm -hmm. to the teacher evaluation framework and they want to make sure that that the information is there and that it was submitted to the state. I talked to a couple of people. I talked to Blake Ude, uh, spokesperson from the State Board of Education, and he said they're in the process. you got to keep in mind this law just took effect on July 1st, just a couple, almost three weeks old, but they're in the process of putting out sort of like a request uh, for procedures, request for interest among the colleges and universities. That should go out, and, and, and we may have the group coming together who will audit these, um, evaluations at the beginning of the school year that group may can come together interestingly when I talked to Blake from the State Board the first thing he told me is that accuracy is the expectation going forward from the State Board of Education he emphasized and accuracy has been the problem that we've had with the data that's coming from the State Department of Education on this topic. That has been the problem, and for two years in a row now, we've documented that, and we've had superintendents back that up. Everything from districts unintentionally inputting incorrect scores and incorrect evaluation data into these reports, to districts telling us that they intentionally reported that all teachers in their district received overall identification evaluation scores, whether it was to meet a state deadline this year or last year out of privacy concerns among the districts that thought the state did not have any business knowing that data, quite frankly. And so Blake, uh, you'd said that accuracy is the expectation going forward. Uh, he emphasized how important this is and how it is tied to the career ladder. I also talked with Senate Education uh, Chairman uh, Dean Mortimer, and he commented on last year's uh, he had not yet seen this year's reporting, but he said, I know that last year was absolutely full of holes, was what he mm -hmm. said, referring to the accuracy of the data. And he said, the expectation is the evaluation process is a key function in the whole career ladder. You need to know that. Uh, so this is very something that's very much on the mind of the State Board of Education officials and the Senate Education Committee chairman. Um, they're thinking about accuracy. They're thinking about how this is tied to the career ladder. So an interesting report. If you want to, if you've been following this and you're interested in it and you want to know what happens next, you can check out our, our report um, at IdahoEdNews.org. And, and you've been ahead of the curve on this story for a year, so you'll surely keep us up, up to speed on what happens now that the state board is taking over as legislators take a closer look at uh, the results. Of course, that's the plan, to follow this as it goes through. There's also going to be a reporting function, so we will let people know, whether it's next year during the legislative session or whenever the report comes out, what these auditors find. And I am fascinated uh, by that and to see that report. Right. But meanwhile, uh, let, let, let's talk about something else that's been going on this summer, the contract negotiations between the school districts and, and their teachers union uh, or their local bargaining unit. Uh, you, you focused on a couple districts, Kevin, but uh, what's the latest with the state's largest school district? We keep coming back to, to West Ada. What, what have we found there? Well, they went to mediation last week, the West Ada School District, uh, negotiators from the district and the union, uh, and came up with a tentative agreement. So now it has to go to the teachers union for ratification, and then it goes to the school board for ratification. 
Um, the, the bottom line, and it's sort of symptomatic of the bigger issue of, of teacher pay as it relates to the career ladder, uh, under the tentative agreement, the average salary increase for teachers in, in the district, and we're talking about 2,000 teachers here, this is a, a big cohort of teachers, uh, average raise is 5.26%, but the actual raises would go uh, all over the map. Uh, for younger, newer teachers, the raises can be in the 9% range. For more experienced teachers, uh, the raise is 2%, and actually administrators and classified staff would get a 3% raise, so some of your more experienced teachers would see a, a smaller raise than administrators and classified staff. Well, and it really, it all comes back to this career ladder and some of the the wrestling that districts are having to do in terms of, uh, of trying to increase pay above and beyond what the career ladder does. So, you know, the, the, the tension here with teachers who bump up to the higher end of the salary scale, where the state funding doesn't really uh, equate to much in the way of raises. Because as we've talked about so many times, the career ladder it really targets trying to increase pay for starting teachers, for teachers beginning their careers in their first few years of their career. More experienced teachers, uh, the career ladder is not as lucrative a proposition. And that's what you're seeing kind of unfold in West Ada. So we'll keep an eye on what happens now in the ratification process. And in, within that, within West Data, one of the interesting, maybe not a sticking point, but when you get to teachers making around the $48,000, $49,000 mark, that's kind of where the career ladder in terms of the money the state sends to the district is topping out right now, isn't it? Wasn't that one exactly. of the issues? Exactly. The tipping point in West Data is $48,200, above which uh, the state does not fund pay raises, and the district has to figure out what to do. So that's been kind of the uh, the point of contention, and we're talking about a pretty fair number of teachers. I, I believe the district says that about a quarter of their teachers, so one in four teachers are making above $48,200. So what do you do with the teachers at this higher end of the scale? They don't really fit into the career ladder. They ha kind of have their own salary scale that is sort of a legacy from the days before the career ladder. So, so complicated process. And was data already going through uh, budget concerns? As we've documented, they're going to be deficit spending this year within their budget. So this is not an easy uh, fix in, in, in West Ada. Meanwhile, on the other side of the state in eastern Idaho, I love this. Our new eastern Idaho reporter, Devin Botkin, has really hit the ground running. And he's been kind of shining a light on the negotiations going on in the Sugar Salem School District right. on the east they're side of the state. They're going to mediation later also this month. Um, and you can read his story and find out what's going on there and what the issues are in Sugar Salem. Yeah, so we're uh, keeping everybody up to speed on that. Meanwhile, uh, Kevin, wouldn't it be fun to give away $100 to some of our, our readers and, and listeners this summer? And that's exactly what we're going to do. We have a new contest going on uh, through our social media channels, Idaho Education News on, on Facebook. But uh, if, if, if our readers, if, if educators, if families wanted to win $100 prize, how, how can they go about doing that? Kevin? Yeah, it's really super easy. Uh, Andrew Reed, our multimedia guy, is, is heading this up. It's a, it's a photo contest. So send us your best summer photos uh, as you're out and about uh, vacationing, having fun. Uh, send it to our Facebook page. Uh, the deadline is August 1st, and the winner, which will be determined by our Facebook and Twitter fans, uh, will receive a $100 Amazon gift card. So uh, 
take those pictures and submit them to us. Uh, and you can go on our Facebook page and see some of the pictures that have already come in. They're, they're, they're fun. They're cute. They're, they, they're summer. So uh, join in and uh, send us your photos. It is. It's a, it's a lot of fun. You can check those out. So if you want to participate in the contest, be sure to like Idaho Education News on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter, at Idaho Ed News as well. Uh, but to actually enter, like you said, by August 1st, you want to tag those photos in the comment on our relevant post uh, at Idaho Education News on Facebook. Uh, so good luck to everyone out there. Hope you get your photos. Keep them coming in. We love uh, to see them. But I think that about catches us up. Kevin, I know we'll be back uh, next week, and there will be more going on uh, as we get closer and closer to the start the new school year. I know that's hard when we're talking about summer vacation, uh, but we're getting there. But, but you can take your podcast, you can take our podcast with you as you go and get your photos uh, for the photo <laughs> So take us along. Take us along and have fun. All right, everybody, thanks so much uh, for listening. I'm Clark. I'm Kevin. Have a good week.